It's a sliding scale. Success is like you're on the treadmill and it's it's that Kit Kat right in front of you. Like it's is it, <laughs> it's great to take a bite out of it, but if it's not there, then what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like what are you doing it for? This is about humans dreaming together. About humans supporting each other on our journeys. It's about the science and the art behind making our dream lives a reality. To the students of life. The young and the curious. The dreamers and the doers. To those who crave to be a strong individual. And want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Dreamology Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Dreamology Podcast. This is your host, Tim Bishop. I got to say, this interview was probably my favorite one that I have ever done to date. Kevin Palmieri and Alan Lazaros are two just beautiful human beings. They are the co-hosts of the Hyper Conscious Podcast, where they have interviewed some top, top name people in the world, like Dean Graziosi, Dave Meltzer, Anthony Trucks, Jakir Robbins, Lauren Tinker, Lori Harder, Evan Carmichael, and many more. Kevin is also a podcasting consultant and coach that helps people scale their podcasts as well as a speaker. And Alan is a peak performance business coach and also a speaker. They do a ton of speaking engagements together as they are co-hosts of this podcast. Two incredible human beings. Both have awesome and inspiring and emotional stories of how they got into personal development. Alan was involved in a car crash that almost ended his life, and Kevin had the traditional American dream, and yet he found himself insanely unhappy. And so we go through their entire stories and talk to them about the mindset that it takes to approach life and to make it through the ups and downs. And really, like I said, this is one of the most impactful and informative interviews that I've had to date. And so I hope you really enjoyed. And so I'm not going to beat around the bush anymore. I'm going to get right to it. Here is Kevin and Alan. I really hope you enjoy this episode. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming into the show today. We got the homies on from the Hyper Conscious Podcast. Kevin Palmieri and Alan Lazaros. Fellas, how are you doing today? We are living the dream, my man. We appreciate the opportunity and we are ready to bring the energy and hopefully, hopefully, if everything goes well, a little bit of knowledge and wisdom. <laughs> a little bit of value. We want to bring a little bit of value, a lot of energy. No, we're really yeah. happy to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Hey, awesome, man. Well, just before we dive in, you know, how you guys been holding up during during COVID, during just kind of a whole it's a whole new ball game this year. And I know you guys are speakers and you host events and and I assume your personal and professional life kind of got flipped upside down. So how you guys been holding up? Honestly, when COVID happened, Alan and I sat down and said, we're going to come out of this better than we went into it. And we I'll let Alan speak about his, his clients and, and whatnot. But this studio that we're in right now, we got we toured this virtually. We, we didn't even see this place before we got it. Uh, we mm. toured it. We said, you know what? It's We want it. We came in. We redecorated it. We, we put everything up. Like Honestly, a lot of the successes we're having right now are because of COVID. And I think a lot of that mm. is because we decided going in, like, look, we're not going to use this as, a, as an excuse to just maintain. We want to grow through this. So, I think what's interesting is when, when there's rapid change in the, in the world and in people's values systems, people make their decisions based on their values, right? So 
when there's a massive change in the world in terms of what people value, like if all of a sudden we are all staying at home, certain companies and certain people, places, things, and ideas become more valuable, other things become less valuable. So what's an example of that? So um, any storefront business that you used to go into, like a clothing store, for example, during quarantine mm-hmm. became way less valuable. We talked to um, Brian Sidorsky, who was a billionaire, who we interviewed, who owned a lot of real estate. And a lot of his tenants couldn't pay their bills. Uh, Staples was one example. And so when the world changes rapidly and people's belief systems and values change rapidly, behavior changes rapidly. And then all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. overnight, businesses become way more valuable or way less valuable. Zoom changed their prices right after quarantine because Zoom just got 10 times, probably 1,000 times more valuable overnight when all of a sudden the whole world gets quarantined, right? So I think to answer your original question, Kevin and I have a belief system that's very simple. It's 90% what you do about what happens to you. So only 10% is what happens to you, 90% is what you do about it, and we've found that to be true with everyone we've interviewed. Some of the people we've interviewed have been through the most heinous, horrible things, and they came out mm-hmm. better every time, and that's what we try to do. And so that's this is no different. I think a lot of people suffered, but we definitely found a way to innovate and honestly become more marketable and more valuable, uh, mm. not only as people, but as a business. Fire. And we definitely empathize with people who who weren't necessarily able to do what we've done. Like we both coach. So one of the, one of the things now is like, you know, do you understand how important it is to be online? Right. Because if you didn't before, like this is your, your wake up call because this, everything is online. Everything is like, we've never met you in person, but here we are seeing you in HD Across the country, like what <laughs> on know, the big screen, by uh, the way. Yeah, we yeah. got it. We got the TV screen. So it's that. it's a very it's a very unique time, but it's also a very opportunistic time if you can find a way to take advantage of it. Right. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy too. I mean, I mentioned right before we hopped on, my brother and I run a video studio, and a lot of stuff we did was was in person, gyms, real estate companies, right? And now it's like, okay, how do we shift over to products? How do we you know, mass edit content for influencers and personal brands, right? How do we, it's just all like, how do you create, like you said, into that value space where it's like, these areas are going away. These areas aren't. And I love your mindset too, about like, yeah, it's all about what you can control. Right. And I think when you're like, I think for me, like a man searched for meaning, like Victor Frankl, that was when I got that message. Like, but if you can get that message and truly understand, like hear from these people who have gone through some crazy stuff, it definitely helps you in these times to kind of say, okay, you know, there was people who have gone through way worse than what we're going through right now. How can we capitalize on it? So I love the mindset, fellas. Um, before we talk more about mindset, so let me go on that topic forever. I want to just get the background, both your stories. I know you each have your own individual little flair, and then eventually your paths crossed. And I already love the vibe between you two. So I'm excited to hear how it kind of developed. But Kevin, you may want to start with kind of like your background, your yeah, story, yeah. and how it led up to you two meeting. I'll hammer it quick because my full story is like very, very long and, and uh, <laughs> intense. But think of it this way. So I'm 30. I'm actually going to be 31 on Saturday. So when I was- Hey, congrats, bro. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Just getting started. Um, <laughs> when, when I was 25, from all outside like views, I had my dream life. I had the body mm. of my dreams because I just did a bodybuilding show. I had a six-figure job. I had a beautiful girlfriend, brand new sports car, brand new apartment. Like By all outside standards, I was the man. I was living the dream. But mm. I really wasn't. I wasn't very happy. And my girlfriend left me at the time, and I had to really like look inside for the first time ever and realize, like, dude, you're not nearly as confident as you say. You're not nearly as confident as people think you are. Mm. Which, if you're watching or listening, like 
do people think you're more confident than you are? Because if they do, that's going to cause problems down the road. I can almost guarantee it. And it's up to you to change that, not them. But I'll get back to the story. Um, so I, that was my first initial dive into personal development. Like I never read a book really before I was 26. I, never, I didn't know who Tony Robbins was. I thought he was a cult leader. Straight up. Like, I thought he was a cult leader. Um, but I got into positive affirmations. That was, like, the lowest barrier to entry for me. So I was like, I can talk positively about myself. So I did that every night before I went to bed. And I ended up getting a promotion in my job. I was traveling up and down the East Coast as a construction foreman, making anywhere from $75 to $100 an hour. Um, but I was always on the road. So out of the 12 months of the year, I was on the road for 10 months. Like, hotel to hotel, driving five hours to New Jersey, working out in random gyms, doing bodybuilding, failing at relationships because I was never home, right? That was a struggle. Um, but I said I wanted to make six figures at 26 with no college degree. And I did that. I did that. I made the most money I'd ever made. But I opened that last pay stub for that year and nothing changed, right? So just like I put all of my self-worth into my beautiful girlfriend and my sports car, I put it into this $100,000 pay stub. And I realized in that moment that the money doesn't matter, the house doesn't matter, the car doesn't matter. What matters is what's up here. And that's how Hyperconscious was born. So that night I went to bed and decided, like, I'm going to try to start looking at things differently. For most of my life, I was unconscious. I was just living. I was doing what everybody else was doing. I want to be hyperconscious. I want to know why I'm thinking the way I'm thinking, why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, so that, you know, that has been my journey ever since. Uh, but... Mm -hmm. The podcast, very similar to you, like early on, it's a passion project, right? Like you're like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm just doing this for fun. I like interviewing people, but I was still doing this job that took me away from home, right? This thing that got me six figures is now taking me away from this podcast, which I finally feel like I have something I can latch on to. So I started leaving later and later for work. Like I would sleep in my bed in Worcester, Massachusetts from 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. till two in the morning. I would wake up and drive four and a half hours straight to New Jersey. I'd work an eight-hour day, and then I'd go to the gym. On Friday, I would do the opposite. I'd wake up, go to the gym, work eight hours, and then drive four and a half hours home. When we worked in Virginia, I worked an eight-hour eight hour day, and then me and my partner drove 14 hours straight home after. Like, we hated being on the road, but the money was good. That's why we mm. did it. But as I'm getting taken further and further away from my goals, things are just getting worse. Like, I have goals for the first time in my life. And my job is taking me away. So, you know, it kept getting bad. I'm telling people, like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I say that a lot of people hit rock bottom. When my girlfriend left me, that was rock bottom for me. But I found out rock bottom has a basement. And a lot of people don't have that misfortune, which is great. I did, but it also changed my life. So I'm sitting on the edge of a hotel bed, probably 5.45 in the morning, some crusty city in New Jersey, nothing against anybody that lives in New Jersey or likes it. Um, <laughs> but I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, I'm lacing up my work boots, and the best way to explain it is there's 10 televisions on in my head, and they are all on different stations. And I can kind of make out some of the words. And it's saying, like, how could you ever leave this job? What are your friends going to think? What is your family going to think? You're never going to make this kind of money again. And how dare you think that you could be a successful podcaster? Like, I've never had belief in my life and I needed it more than ever in this moment. And I genuinely thought that the best thing for me to do in that moment would be to take my life. Because if I took my life and I killed myself, I killed my problems too. Now, luckily, I had Alan in my life. 
and I sent Alan a message on Snapchat because I don't think we were a number official yet. And I said, <laughs> hey, man, I'm struggling a bit. Like, this is what I'm going through. I'm having a lot of weird thoughts. I feel stuck. I feel lost. I feel hopeless. I feel helpless. And he said, hey, man, you just need to change. Like, you've changed so much, but your external hasn't. Like, what you're doing hasn't changed. You're a different person than you were. Right, it's like that was a wake up call. Like, oh, somebody believes in me for once. That's weird. So I ended up leaving that job. I left the six figures, and you know, three or four months later, I was full time in a podcasting, full time in a speaking, full time in a coaching, and now I'm a podcast um, agent producer, and uh, have a consulting company. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. And we just crossed 400 episodes. So yeah, Dang. I'm very very happy where I am today. But you know, I definitely crawled through the mud to to get there for sure. Yeah, man. Good luck, wow. man. Good luck with your story. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Alan, good luck following that, no, man. No, Alan's got a, like, he's got a really I mean, powerful one. That's, that's tough to follow, man, but we'll see what you got. <laughs> I, I literally, I love hearing it every single time. It's just so powerful because it, it just, uh. it's a testament to what's possible when someone believes in you and when you learn how to believe in yourself. And so my story is a little different, but it's, I had a rock bottom moment as well. So I'll take you through the quickest version I can because uh, I want to make sure we're timely here, but my story started um, very early on. I was two years old, and I lost something very near and dear to my heart, but I also gained something else. My father passed away in a car accident when I was two years old. He was 28 years old at the time, and my mom had to figure out whatever she could do to survive to take care of two kids. I had an older sister and a mother, and so I lost a father, uh, something that I'll, I'll never get back, but I did gain something else, which is I was raised by two women. So I had an older sister who was three years older than me and my mom, and they really, really just poured into me. And uh, I think that's ended up to be a huge advantage in the future. But fast forward, I'm, I think, eight or nine, and we're in the car, and I'm with my mom. And my uncle at the time, my aunt's, my mom's sister's husband, was the track and field coach at WPI. And my mom said, WPI, we're, we're driving past, I remember like it was yesterday, driving past the bottom of the hill there, and it said WPI, Worcester Polytechnic Institute. For those of you who don't know, it's like a mini MIT. You know, there's always WPI t-shirts that say, friends don't let friends go to MIT, because they're kind of like a com competitive <laughs> thing, right? And so she said, Alan, you're really smart. Smart people go there, you should go there one day. Life is about choices. You can be a CEO or you can be a farmer. I'm gonna love you either way. But if you choose mm. to be a CEO first and aim high, you can wake up one day and decide to be a farmer. It doesn't work the other way around. So she taught me from a very young age that life is about choices and that if I was smart enough, I would have choices. And she was absolutely right about that. So she planted mm. a seed in my heart. So now I'm in college. I eventually got to WPI. And uh, Steve Jobs is my hero, or uh, was at the time. I read the book by Walter Isaacson, and I wanted to be a Fortune 50 CEO. Mm. And so I got my electrical and computer engineering degree. I started a little company called Campus Libre. I eventually went into corporate America. I did some soul searching, right? And uh, I realized quickly that I love people and that sitting behind a desk designing circuits isn't really for me. So I went back to WPI for my MBA. Then I did a ton of job hopping. I worked at a company called Oz Development. I worked for iRobot for a time. I worked at a company called Tyco Safety Products. I was a global product manager for Sensata Technologies. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, I do look 12, but I'm actually al also 31. <laughs> um, and so it's like, how has this dude lived so Something much Something in life? the water out here in Whistler. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you about this face cream? No. So, <laughs> so here I am doing all Backslash this stuff. Backslash Allen hyperconscious 15% off. For 20% off, off yeah, face yeah. cream, right? Just wear sunblock, you'll be fine. So here I am in corporate America chasing a goal. My goal was to be a Fortune 50 CEO. What I think is interesting mm. is that's what was driving me, 
but I didn't necessarily have my core values dialed in. And so the way in which, I always say this, like let's say you intend to be a millionaire. A lot of you, you have young, ambitious listeners, right? Let's say you intend and set a goal to be a millionaire. If you don't know your morals, ethics, and core values, you might work for a cigarette company in order to do that. So I, mm. I wasn't as clear. I was clear on the goal. I was always clear on my goals. Straight A's in high school, you know, high distinction, electrical and computer engineering, get my MBA, work in corporate America, rise, rise, rise. What I wasn't clear on is my, my core values. Like I was doing things that were outside of alignment, not necessarily because I was bad or had malintent, but because I wasn't as clear on who I am. And I'll get to that. So I'm working for a company called Cognex. I start an inside sales team and I get promoted to outside sales. I'm managing all of Western New England and I'm traveling a ton too. It is 2016. At this point, I'm making a good, good, good amount of money. I was a 1% earner by age 23, but I'm miserable just like Kevin described in his story. I'm really not happy. I, I drink too much and too often. I have tons and tons of friends. I, I have all my high school friends still, all my college friends still, and now I have all these colleagues at Cognex their mm. motto was work hard, play hard. And this is nothing against Cognex. Cognex is a great company. I used to say work hard, play harder. Okay. I'm 26 years old. I believe this is 2016 or 2015, but it was that really, really bad winter where there was horrible potholes everywhere. And I'm just sick mm. and tired of traveling. There's, there's snow banks everywhere. I'm not happy. I'm not healthy. I'm not going to the gym. I'm in New Hampshire with my little cousin going to TGI Fridays. Mm. Uh, there's this fork in the road that I thought the road stayed right. It actually stayed left. I was supposed to yield, but didn't. I was looking down at the GPS. I looked up, saw the brightest lights I'd ever seen. And in that moment, I literally thought I was going to die. Now, for those of you out there who have not had a life or death situation, maybe you've had the death of a loved one, maybe a death of a pet. Um, maybe you have been in a life or death situation where you really thought it was it. I genuinely had that moment of like, this, this is the end. Now, circle back. My father passed away in a car accident when he was 28. Okay, I'm 26 at the time, and this shook my snow globe. So in my speeches, I show the car. It was absolutely totaled. Fortunately, I was driving a 2004 Volkswagen Passat. I used to call it the tank. It was like a really uh, heavy car. Mm -hmm. And yeah. both airbags did deploy, even though it was 2004. I hurt my face a bit on the airbag. Uh, my little cousin hurt his knee, but we were okay. Physically. Emotionally, I was in an armchair drinking whiskey, questioning everything. I say, you get your snow globe shaken. Everything I thought I knew, like, what if my whole life was wrong? The two questions I really asked myself, because I had all this regret, right? Number one, did I courageously fight for what I believe in? And number two, how fiercely and openly did I love? I say this quote now, Kevin's heard it a million times. A million and one today. A million and one as of today. <laughs> you cannot, so the stars are always there but you can't see them during the day. Sometimes it takes the darkness to see clearly that which you simply could not within the light. And if you're into personal development, this is the one thing I have not figured out how to teach. Emotional trauma, emotional pain is a guarantee. What you do with it is not. Every time you're in emotional pain, you have a choice to make. You can either develop a virtue or escape it into a vice. Because when the pain is great enough, you will see something you didn't see before. That happened to Kevin. That happened to me. That happened to all the people we interview. And so I found two things, okay, two stars that I couldn't see before that. Number one was a book by Bronnie Ware called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And the number one regret. So she worked in hospice. She's an Australian woman. We've actually since interviewed her, which is so cool. Episode nice. 180. And uh, that was like four and a half years later, which is crazy. But 
She wrote a book. She worked in hospice for eight years with the terminally ill. And she noticed these patterns. I wish, I wish, I wish. She has a TED Talk as well. The mm. number one re regret of the dying that she noticed is I wish I had lived a life true to myself and not what others expected of me. And that's what I was doing. I was chasing external validation just like Kevin was. Persons, places, things, ideas, parties, acquaintances. Like, instead of following my own inner compass. And so we get all these external results, the six-figure salary, the beautiful mm. girlfriend, the cars, the clothes, and all that other nonsense at the expense of our own fulfillment. And so that's when I changed, man. And I also found Tony Robbins' TED Talk. If you haven't listened to it, please do. He talks about the target we're all really after. And that's when I went all in on my dreams. I'm going to be a fitness model. I'm going to be a speaker. I'm going to be a podcaster. And I've never looked back ever since. And then Kevin and I had very similar mission. And mm -hmm. we, he interviewed me on his podcast, and I had a podcast called Conversations Change Lives. He had a podcast called The Hyperconscious Podcast. <laughs> he was on my show for the very first episode. I was on his show for the very first episode. And eventually <laughs> we were like, why aren't we doing this together, man? It's a long-ass intro. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to the Conversation Change Lives meets Hyperconscious Podcast. It's like too much. Yeah, so we went with long. this. We went with this one. <laughs> yeah. Too long. <laughs> and uh, I never looked back, man. And all in. Go ahead. You guys have, in you guys have incredible stories. It's just a thought popped in my head. I remember in my psychology course in college, it was this thing we studied, which was that humans tend to regret the things that we do immediately. But we, we like long term, we think about, oh, I wish I would have done that. And so like we, we regret the choice we make immediately. Like I go out, I do something stupid, right? The next night, I'm like, oh, I regret that decision. And we're afraid of that judgment. We're afraid of that immediate, like, ah, I don't want to do that because I might be judged. I don't want to do that because this might happen. But in the long term, we regret the choices that we didn't make. Exactly. We regret the things that we never did. And that just reminded me of what you just said, which was we're all afraid to do those things because there's that, there's that fear of that instant kind of like, ooh, I might be judged or ooh, this might happen or ooh, I might screw up or ooh, I might you know, have a failure and enter a dark space. But like when it comes to the deathbed, we look back and we say, oh, man, I wish I would have done X, Y, Z and all that judgment and fear stuff. I, you know, I, I really shouldn't have been afraid of. And it's really interesting. Like my follow up to your guys. And I've asked I've asked actually we talked about Mark Metry. I asked Mark this question, too, which is, you know, and I don't even know if you have an answer for this because this is a hard. This is the hardest thing to think about. It's like, you know, I've interviewed cancer survivors, too, and people who have almost died and people who have gone through super traumatic stuff and. And it's like, there's always some snap, right? It's like that moment that makes them snap. For me, it was like the first time in my life where I felt anxiety, big breakup, like all these stuff. Like I had a moment too. And there's a bunch of people who are living, I feel like in this middle ground where it's like nothing really, really, really bad has happened. But a lot of micro traumas, a lot of, you know, small things, a lot of slowly drifting away towards what they want to do with their life. And I always think like, how, how do those people, what do they have to do to be able to have the awakening without having to like get in a car crash or realize they hate them, their lives or, you know, become very depressed. Like you guys, you guys ever talked about that? How does that middle <laughs> ground make that flip and make that switch? We, we call it the pain pleasure pendulum. So like mm. the reason Alan and I went all in is because we went to all the way to hell. No, like when you're right. about to die, there is nothing else. It's like, well, maybe I should start living my dreams. Uh, mm -hmm. I think, I think for most people, and I'll let Alan go deeper into this, but I do think most people develop a vice. Like, they, they go into, you know, whether it's alcohol or drugs or, or porn or a relationship that, you know, they just are getting something out of. Everybody mm. finds a way to meet the needs that they, 
they you know they feel drawn toward. I just think most right. people. I think the biggest thing holding people back is lack of belief. Like you're mm. confident as hell. I can tell by talking to you. You're confident. Like you have a lot of confidence, a lot of charisma. Alan is confident as hell. One of the most confident people I've ever met. I wasn't. I had to get around people like Alan to chase my dreams. Or at least I mm. thought I did. I, I needed that confidence. I think mm. 80% of people lack confidence. And if you lack confidence and you lack belief, even if you do have that rock bottom moment, you might lean into mm. running from the truth versus leaning mm. into your actual truth. Mm. I'd love yeah. to add to that if you if you if you go for it, yeah, for sure. So that that's absolute fire what he just said because and this is what I've figured out as well. Um, in those dark moments of emotional pain, if you don't believe in your own brighter future, why wouldn't you choose the vice? And this is all subconscious, right? So, mm. and, and when you asked originally, like, have you guys ever thought about that? We talk about that all the time. Yeah. We talk about in our live events, like, let's put people in a dark room and, like, meditate on, like, you know, death meditations or something. Something mm. to get yeah. that awakening. Because yeah. you'll never go to hell yes if you don't get to hell no. And, mm. and that's the one thing that I don't know how to teach, really, is, is that tenacity of, like, listen, you, you will regret not making this courageous choice now you will regret not chasing your dreams there's no question there's no question mm. that you're not going to regret mm. like have you ever heard someone be like you know i really wish i smoked more cigarettes i, I you know <laughs> i really wish i was more of a dick right like it doesn't happen it, you mm. also never hear people say i really wish i didn't go to the gym more right it's like you're you're never going to regret positive choices i'm sorry mm -hmm. they suck in the moment it is what it is right mm. do i go to the gym or do i not you're going to be happy you went and so yeah. we all have this choice, but here's the problem, right? Why would Warren Buffett invest in a stock that he didn't believe would grow? So if you have a mm. subconscious belief that you cannot mm. grow and achieve your dreams, why would you put in the hard work today? You, you wouldn't. You'd just drift around. And I think mm. that's why most people don't succeed. And on top of that, I will say this, people who are super confident, like you, for example, I guarantee you there's people out there that think you're arrogant because of your confidence, and so they don't mm. like to be around people who are confident, who, by the way, they need to get around in order to invest in their future. And so mm. we're trying to kind of, I, I honestly think Kevin and I have a beautiful thing because he's able to connect with people who aren't confident because he's been there and mm. convince them that I'm not bad. <laughs> so that maybe, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> take some time. Yeah, right. So, so <laughs> that's, that's a serious craft right there. So that maybe yeah. they'll, they'll be open to some of these concepts that they used to think were, were for people that are different than them or whatever, you know? And we have this, we mm. have this thing called the drive to five that we created. What, I don't know if created, coined, whatever. But <laughs> when, we, when I started this journey, on a scale of one to ten, my confidence was probably like a zero. Like, I had no confidence. I was in very good shape. So people assumed, like, oh, he must be super confident, right? I've always been mm. in, in good shape. Alan was a ten. He was kind of arrogant. I hated Alan. For a long time. <laughs> and Alan didn't want to spend time around me because I didn't believe in myself. We mm. call it the drive to five because if, if I go closer to where Alan is and he comes closer to where I am yeah. in terms of humility, mm. you end up at five. You're, you're confident, but you know you don't know everything. You understand mm. that you have the ability to figure out. You know how important mentors are, right? Like you're balanced. You're balanced. And if you are super low when it comes to confidence, you need somebody who believes in you. It'll help you tremendously. Mm -hmm. If you are arrogant, you need somebody to say like, yo, you're not that great. Right. Like you're awesome, but like you're not as good as you think you are. Let me show you where you're lacking. Or you got to mm -hmm. get in a room with people that are just far better. Yeah. Like it's really easy. Mm -hmm. I use this example. I was really good at basketball in Uxbridge, Massachusetts, small town, right? 
Nice. I, I got dunked on by a guy who was 5'7 in sandals who played <laughs> D1 for UConn in Venice Beach, <laughs> California. Okay, so I got humbled. That's called a humbling moment. Now, yeah. do you run from those moments or not? So the drive to five, I think, is everything. Five is the truth. The zeros mm. don't believe they deserve a mentor or maybe they're too scared to get one. The tens mm. don't think they need a mentor. You're both wrong. The truth mm. is you do need a mentor and you do deserve it and you got to face those fears. I think both take courage, right? A lot of people who are out there and, and maybe they resonate with the higher end of drive to five and they think they're arrogant, get around people that their walking pace is your all-out sprint. Mm. Okay, that can be in whatever craft you want to master, right? So I'll give you an example. Kevin and I have, have surpassed 460 podcast episodes, okay? Uh, other shows plus our 400. If you've only done 30, not you, but anyone, when mm. you're around us, you're going to think, oh my God, like, wow, maybe I'm not that good. I remember when I went and saw Brendan Burchard as a speaker, I was mm. like, whoa, I'm not a good speaker at all, right? So mm -hmm. I needed to be humbled. And that's my focus, humility, humility, humility. Mm. If you're on mm -hmm. Kevin's end, you got to focus on confidence. I will give you one caveat. If you focus on confidence and start really taking action towards your dreams, you're going to build your confidence. You're going to really start to gain self-esteem and self-confidence, which is great. Here's the problem. I've seen people swing right under the other end and realize, mm. oh, I'm not actually humble. I right. just appeared that way because I wasn't confident. <laughs> right? so, so there's always layers and layers of this. this we're all a work in progress, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is heading hard, guys. For sure heading home. Like, it's actually funny because literally I talked to a guest like three weeks ago. And I just got this instilled in my head because you're right. Like, you know, I've dealt with my own different things from anxieties and judgment and different fears of different things, but I have always for sure had an innate belief in myself. But what I didn't realize through my journey of self-awareness and mindfulness and diving into my own life is that that reality, that belief that like, I'm really good and, and I can do anything I want. Whenever I looked at anybody else who was like you guys or anybody who was doing something I wanted to do, but better it gave me the feeling of like, not enough. It gave me the feeling of like, oh shit, like why, you know, why are they killing it? Even though like it made no sense for me to compare my journey to theirs because they were way different and they're X amount of years farther in or had this resource or whatever it was, right? Usually comparisons are just completely like not valid, but it led to like a I'm not enough mindset over and over and over and mm -hmm. over again, which led to just comparison and just negative thoughts. And literally a month ago, this guest just, he told me his story. How he got fired from like Oracle when he was like 24 and he was this confident, like arrogant prick basically. <laughs> and he was like, damn, like the world owes me nothing. Like, even though I'm a smart dude, like I got to enter into the world, into this space saying like, I'm a, I'm a kindergartner. I'm, I'm a freshman at life. What can I learn? And when I look at people who are better than me, instead of getting mad or feeling down about myself, I say, what is it about them that I like? What is it about them that I admire? Can I befriend them? Like, I'm sure me and that person will be best friends. And he said, he's been attacking that mindset with his life the last like 20 years. And he's like, dude, I've had a great life. It's been way more fun. I'm way more joyful. And I learn from the people instead of like making myself feel like, oh, like I'm not good enough. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just not going to ever be that good as the hyper-conscious podcast or whatever. And so like that lesson just hit me. And so like what you guys are talking about now, it's, it's so real. And so on the, on the other side, Kevin, I'm curious because, you know, you spoke to this too, like, and you guys believe such in the power of the thought and the subconscious. Like if you're in that space, cause I've met a lot of people like my friends who, who don't have that belief in themselves. What do you do to start building that? What do you do to start cultivating that? Like 
that belief in yourself that you can make things happen. So I actually have a speech called Cultivating Confidence. We're actually doing that on a summit later today. But Dude, let's go. Right? Like <laughs> synchronistic. This is a good uh, pre-run for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think it's a couple of things. Not, I don't, and I don't want to just go through like hammer the five points like I would. But I think one of the biggest <laughs> things is you have to understand why you're not confident. Like hmm. for me, one of the things I told Alan, I was really good at baseball. Like I was always one of the top two or three on my team, I made the all-star team every every year. I was always like highly rated in batting average. I got scouted mm. by different teams. I told Alan, I thought I got lucky. Mm. Like I never intentionally decided to be good. Right? Mm. I never, I never. When I started this podcast, I didn't think I could be good. I didn't think I could be a speaker. I didn't think I could coach. So number one, start making decisions and stop like stop thinking that the things that are happening to you are by accident. If you do really well at something, take credit for that. Because if you lack confidence, you're not good at that. You are not good at looking at the wins. You're really good at looking at the losses. That's number one. Number two, get around people that believe in you. As long as they're not arrogant. Because what that's going to do is you're going to see that it's possible to believe in yourself. If you're afraid of people that are confident, you're going to run from that for your entire life. Like, I know I did. I hated people that were confident because I thought they were arrogant. But when I started getting around Alan and he would challenge me in a good way, I could start building belief. Mm. I borrowed belief for a while and then I started building it, right? Mm. Like you don't want to borrow it forever because you'll never have your own, right? You have to right. cultivate your own. Uh, I right. would say start small. Like mm. if you want to run a marathon, go run a quarter mile. Mm. And honestly, give yourself credit for the fact that you just ran a quarter mile further than you ever have in your life. Don't worry mm. about the 26. Worry about the quarter. What worry about that? Uh, fear chase. This is the biggest thing, man. This is what mm. I think one of my superpowers is, even though it is brutal most of the time. I'm afraid of everything, honestly. I like. I'm not really afraid of doing interviews anymore because I've done enough of them and we've done 400 episodes. But even if I was afraid, I would show up and give it hell anyway. That is, if you can do that, you will become more confident as long as you detach from the outcome. This could go to crap, like. You could be like, you know what, man? I got to can this. I got to can this. This is dog shit. Like, I can't use this. Right? But the fact Hopefully that, you don't. Right? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to, let me get this point across first. If, if yeah, you, cut it after. Cut it after this. If, if you did, I always tell my clients this, man. I don't care about the result. I don't care if you walk up to that girl and you get rejected. Neither should mm. you. You should care about the fact that you took action because five minutes ago, you wouldn't have taken the action. So you're actually mm. getting feedback that you would never get. Yeah. So yeah. it's almost this weird thing of if you lack confidence, pretend you have confidence for five minutes and take an action that you normally wouldn't. It's like this weird, hmm. um, what's the, the thing where the, the numbers, um, oh my God, catch 22. Yeah. See? Um, pretty good. <laughs> it's this weird catch 22 where like numbers. you kind of you have to move forward. I don't want you to fake it so you make it because you'll never make it. But hmm. see what it feels like to have it. And then take a small action and understand that failure is part of any journey and it's not going to kill you. Fire. Mm. Not bad. Was there a fifth one? No. There was no. <laughs> <laughs> no there is a fifth one. To get the fifth one, please sign up for my <laughs> <Yeah>. virtual <laughs> seminar. It's, it's <laughs> honestly, the fifth one's get clarity. Get clear. <laughs> like most people right. don't know what they want out of life. If, if I was like, yo, we're going to go climb a mountain and you're like, you're, you're very low confidence, Google what the mountain is. So you'll have more information going in. If it says like it's a very easy mountain, there's no reason for you to worry. 
Now you can go into it and just experience it and take that action and build that belief. Fire. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate I love it. it, man. I love it. Um, I haven't asked this and it just popped into my head because I'm staring at that beautiful screen behind you guys. But uh, what does the word hyperconscious mean to you guys? Like oh. what is what is that and what is the significance? And, and I'm sure that that meaning has evolved over time, I assume. So I'm just curious uh, what that kind of word means to you guys and, and what it resembles I'll in let, your life. I'll let you say it. Yeah. Yeah. So hyperconscious, if you look it up in the dictionary, it, it means acutely aware. I mm. think that the first step to progress in anything is awareness, like new awareness, right? Mm. And so, for example, um, I don't know anything about cars, nor do I care. But if my car breaks down, everyone's afraid of the unknown. That's why when you swim in the ocean and you don't know what's underneath you, you're scared. It's human nature, right? Right. Um, and sharks. I also. simply won't do it. Simply won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so whenever you're – so imagine you're, you're the type of person Kevin just described and you struggle with confidence. And then on top of that, you have low awareness. It's like I don't know how to fix a car. So when my car breaks down, I have to call somebody and ask for help. But I also have to have the courage to admit that I need help, right? And so hyperconsciousness is about acute awareness, living in the truth. And I, I'm glad you asked that question because the zero to 10 drive to five. Zeros, ones, twos, threes, and fours are living in a place where they're trying to avoid pain. Same with the six, sevens, eights, nines, and tens. It's a defense mechanism. In other words, you either shell up or you puffer mm. fish. Okay, yeah. I was a puffer fish. Uh, I had some really traumatic stuff happen to me when I was a young kid, and the only way for me to take back control and to avoid pain was to keep everybody at a distance. It, Look how smart and awesome I am, right? And and that worked. It's a defense mechanism. Other people shell up and they don't. They suppress themselves. They don't speak up because one time they spoke up and got laughed at or whatever. And so if you're out there right now and you're not living in the truth, the 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 antidote. And what being hyperconscious is about is courage and vulnerability. If you if you're out there and you think you're awesome, you're you're probably not, honestly. <laughs> Especially not by default, right? You have to work and earn it, right? Mm. And so I focus most of my effort on how to how to stay humble and how to stay around people that are truly great, so that so that my natural optimism bias doesn't get the best of me. Mm. But if you're out there and you struggle with self confidence, you need to be vulnerable and admit that. And, and use that awareness as an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm not confident, but I can build it. The moment that you admit the truth for once is the moment you can actually work on it. We did a uh, mastermind this past week on the 10 ways to stay consistent. And in my mm. honest opinion, human beings are just very inconsistent. I mean, it's just, we just, uh, David Meltzer, one of our main coaches, he says, mm. if you want to know how in your own way you are, I never forget when he said this. Try to do five things every day for 30 days. I know that sounds, in theory, easy. Could mm. we do it? Could we actually do it, right? I, of course we could. Will we? Mm. Probably effing not, right? Okay. Right. Effing. <laughs> Jeffin. <laughs> so <laughs> the last thing I'll say about hyperconsciousness is it, mm. the admittance factor. We did that, that training on the 10 ways to stay consistent, and there was a bonus. You know, there's 10 ways. Our, our favorite is the 11th one, right? No, but yeah. it was a bonus. And it was like, honestly, <laughs> all these previous 10, no matter how good they were, are useless. And it was a big PowerPoint presentation with a big picture that said a stamp. Admit it. Admit that you're not consistent. Admit, maybe I'm lazy. The moment you admit you're lazy is the moment you can actually start working on that. But if you keep pretending that it's problems or excuses outside... 
and that it's not your fault. You can only control that, which is your own fault. And so extreme ownership is, is uh, what hyperconsciousness is all about. That's a long, that was, that was a lot of things. There's <laughs> a lot of things. Thought I would say this. Fantastic. <laughs> it's questions. To me, it's questions. How mm. happy, on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you in your relationship? Answer it. Honestly. How happy are you with your bank account? How happy are you um, with your body? Like, hyperconscious is becoming aware of what is in your relationship with it. It's like Alan said, admitting the difficult truths because the only mm. way to make a change is to admit it first. To me, that's like, and we have so many different examples of like, I had to be hyperconscious in this moment. That was super hyperconscious. That's a hyperconscious thought. You can right. be hyperconscious about health, fitness, wealth, mindset. Mm relationships, love, business, anything where you're thinking deeper than what is, is hyperconscious. And if yeah. you notice, the last thing I'll say, he, he said ask questions, right? That's getting to the truth. If yep. you ask yeah. a good question and really answer it honestly, that's the vulnerable and courage. It, it takes courage to admit, you know what? I have a drinking problem. But the mm. moment you admit that, it took me five years to quit drinking. It took me five full years to actually do it. And I'm 400 days sober. And, and it's like, I had to admit, though, I have a problem. I have a drinking problem. Mm. This sucks. Like, and and it's, it sucked to admit that, you know? And no one else sees that moment in my room where I'm crying by myself, like, wow, this is, like, really hard. And, yeah, there's a million external reasons why I might have a drinking problem. I was exposed to it young. I grew up around it. Whatever. That stuff's irrelevant. Mm. The truth of the matter is, is that I have a problem, and it's my responsibility to solve it. And and asking those tough mm. questions, like Kevin said, is the way you get to the truth, and you can only build on the truth. Your truth mm. is the way. It's the way. It's yeah. <laughs> no, hey, I'm sold, man. I'm sold. <laughs> Perfect. Give me a flag or a sticker or something, man. I gotta I gotta carry that word around me from here on out. Perfect. If you go um, to the hyperconsciouspodcast.com/sold, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll see a guy in 20%, a black shirt. Twenty percent off. Yeah, only yeah. today. Have, hey, this is too many promo codes, guys. We got too many. We got to throw them all Can out. It. Can it? <laughs> uh, no, I love it, guys. I, I think that it reminds me of this. I have this uh, mindfulness coach who I was just super lucky to have met um, recently. And she talks about this, you know, you have to be able to almost self-audit yourself and look at your, your stuff objectively and say, okay, I'm a three in this. But what you can't do is become obsessive and reach that point of like, oh, like I'm, I'm a three, like I'm terrible. It's right. that difference of like, you know, like dwelling in it and having it overtake you and it, it really just changing your whole like, dynamic and energy versus being able to like be hyper-conscious and actually be aware of it and to analyze it and say, okay, like that's all right. Like I'm a three, um, but what does four look like? And then what does five look like? And what does six look like? And what, is, what does 10 look like? And just make those steps towards it objectively because that's, that's how you're going to find that happiness, right? So I freaking love the definition, guys. Just as deep. Yeah, you're a three now, but you used to be a two. That's the other thing. Reflect on the fact that you're actually further along than you used to be. Right. And that's people mm. with low confidence don't usually do that. They only look at what is. That's why he reflects mm. all the time. That he goes back whenever he's down, he, he goes back and looks at how far he's come. Yeah. You know, Dude, this I was all that. a dream, man. I love that. This was four hundred episodes, a studio, you know, having a Crazy. podcast agency. Like, dude, that was for me. At one point, that was all a dream. Now I complain sometimes. Like, get over it, man. <laughs> like yeah. look back when yeah. you wanted this don't forget how bad you wanted it before you had it like yeah you know, i think we're all guilty of that but i like to put myself yeah in for sure <laughs> uh i'm curious you guys have interviewed i mean hundreds of, of thought leaders and just incredible human beings um of some of the habits or the the mental you know exercises or skills 
has there been any that have jumped out to you as be some of your favorite as far as like a practice or a routine or anything that you do that you said, wow, this guy taught us this and I've been doing it all the time or, or anything like that? I would say Dave Meltzer, uh, being a student of your calendar, as simple as that sounds, like until mm. I really understood that, I didn't have a calendar. And like today, you know, I had a coaching call right before this where we have an interview on our show right after this. We're on a summit. We are on LinkedIn Live with Dave Meltzer. Like, we're doing more today than I used to do in a week. And we're doing po- two podcast episodes on our own show. Yeah. So between, today's like yeah, five or six episodes and a coaching call. Yeah, and it's, it's like... Today's Jeff. Today's Jeff. <laughs> but <laughs> the fact that we're prepared for it is because we've been working on our calendars for the last you know year and a half, two years. Like every day when I wake up, the first thing I do is see like, what am I supposed to do? The, the top people in the world don't wake up and say, what, what do I feel like doing today? That's not, that's not how they live their lives. They live their lives on what are the most important tasks that have to get done today in order for me to complete my mission. I would say that's mm. probably... The, the top people in the world live intentionally. They are not living by accident at all. At all. Everything mm. they say, everything they do, everything they think and feel is, is intentional. And whenever they're off course and outside of alignment with their goals and core values, they pivot quickly. You know, I, I use the mm. analogy of a triathlon. If you've ever done one, you get kicked in the face a lot in the water because people are passing you and maybe you're not a mm. strong swimmer. Maybe you're not a strong swimmer. Yeah. I'm like a fairly strong swimmer, but I not in a triathlon. Depends who you're in the lake with, right? Right, And right. so I'm getting kicked in the face a bunch. And it, it's not about like my goggles are shifting and I've got water in my eye, my contact's falling out. And it's just like, this is the worst, right? And mm. it's not about not getting kicked in the face. It's about how quick you can get back on point and going in the right direction and not swim into the shore you know, and lose traction. I think some people go like two, three weeks. I used to have bad weeks, literally. I used to have emotionally bad weeks where I was off all week. That eventually became emotionally bad a couple days. Eventually it was like, I'm off for like a day or two, right? Binge eating, watching Netflix, whatever. Now I'm telling you, it's down to like a couple hours. I can get really emotionally like beaten up, right? And whether it's like a massive failure or, or whatever, tough conversation in my relationship, tough conversation with Kevin. And, and I'm back at it in 20, 30 minutes sometimes. Sometimes mm. at the longest three or four hours after I, I watch Titanic, cry it out, and then just get back after it. So how mm. long are you outside of alignment? That's what I would say I've learned from people. People who are on point live intentionally, and they don't go outside of alignment, and they're crystal clear. If you are not mm. clear on your goals and core values, you are jeffing. You need to understand the game you're playing. You can't win a game where you don't know the goal. So what are your goals? What is your mission? What is your core values? And are your decisions in alignment with that? And when they're not, that's okay. Admit it quickly. Notice it quick and quickly. Recognize it quickly. And then get back on point. I'd say they're savages, too. Mm. Like, if you're seeing somebody on social media, you're seeing, like, some form of them. But behind the scenes, like, most of the people we've interviewed are absolute savages. In terms of, like, <laughs> they just, they do what has to get done. You know, they do back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back calls. Like, this is their life. They are not dabbling at all. Hmm. At all. They don't dip their toe. They live in the water. And I, I think that they're just fully committed. Uh, that's the word hmm. I would use. Like, ultimately. But committed. they didn't start there. No. And that's the thing. We're seeing that, right? So, Michael Jordan, right. you know, got cut from his high school basketball team. Like, don't. Yes, they're savages. Understand that it's a process. Right. Um, and and right. realize that your step one, don't don't compare your chapter two to someone else's chapter 15. Learn from right. 15, 
Learn from chapter 15. I went a little hard there. Uh, no, I liked it. I went a little hard. I really liked it. I yeah. went a little too hard. Very rarely is he on the... <laughs> it's good cop, bad cop, man. Normally, he, I'm the more hardcore one. I liked that. That yeah. was cool. Yeah, no, <laughs> that, I mean, it's, it's true, right? I mean, that's that's the the fear, right? If, if I see a, a Michael Jordan type person, and I go, I'm never going to be that. Like, But you got to remind yourself of all those steps, right? All exactly. those things. That, and that's the comparison thing too, right? If I look at you know, Tim Ferriss or someone who's got like, you know, yeah. some of the best podcasts in the world. Like, ah, I could never be that. It's like, why not? I'm, I'm 23. Yeah. I'm not the beginning, but like, you, can. you know, you got to look at the, at the steps that get you to like, right. where you're going to go. And, and so I, I love that guys. Um, I want to shift a little bit to a question that has come up in my mind recently. Um, I've been connecting with a lot of, you know, young Gen Z entrepreneurs. And, and what I realized is that a ton of us have the same desires, right? Because Gen Z, generally, a lot of us who are big thinkers have this similar wave of like, we want to connect each other. We want to help heal the world. We want to grow these personal development brands. Like, it's, there's a lot of same themes that reoccur. I like it. And I was talking to a guy yesterday, um, a buddy from Milwaukee, and we were saying, you know what, dude? You know what the big thing's going to be? And we were talking about an idea that we both share. We said, is one of us going to be able to put our ego aside and join forces with the other one or vice versa or come together? And so I'm just asking that because I know you two made the choice to come together. And I think there's so much power in that and so much. I mean, I just see the energy that that radiates between you two and just the progress that you can make by by having partners and by doing things together. And and so I'm curious how, um, you know, you were able to step out of your ego a bit and say, this isn't just about me, 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 and come together to create something that was like beautiful together. I, I wonder if you have any advice what a fire for question. people yeah, you, on dude, that topic. You're, I'm blown away by you. Genuinely, yeah, genuinely. Fire questions. Um, Strong work. I would say this. It's funny because Alan doesn't need credit ever. So I would like early on and still to this day, like I get to get a lot more credit than I've ever gotten before because Alan doesn't care. He's just like, yeah, man, I don't, either way, I just do it. It doesn't matter. I don't care if anybody sees it. It's like, I kind of do mm. a little bit. <laughs> like, I'd, like, you know, I'd like people to be in the crowd. Like, I know it doesn't matter to you, but like, it'd be nice. So I think, and the other thing too, man, like, I suck at a lot of things. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not as business-minded as Alan. So me succeeding with Alan, on it, I wouldn't even say it like that. Me failing with Alan is way more successful than I would be by myself. It's at least twice as successful. He knows way more than I do in certain things. I know way more than he does in certain things. Like, together, we are way better than I would be separately. Did I have to deal with demons in my own, you know, level of self-confidence and reflection? Of course. Of course. But I'm happy with who I am as a man. I'm happy with who I am as a podcaster and as a business and all that. But a lot of that is because Alan and I are working on our characters, if, you, mm. if you're looking to partner up with somebody, don't just ask, what is business going to be like? Ask, what am I going to be like? Because mm. if the person makes you a better human, it's, you're leaving so much on the table if you don't do it. Mm. Fire answer, I man. appreciate that. Really good. So mm. this is such a powerful question. And I'm so grateful that you asked it because I think that we, we fail to go into business or, or start something because we think it's our idea. And, and it's all fear, first of all. Um, and it's, it's scarcity over abundance. And, and here's what I'll say. We've all seen The Lion King. You have Mufasa and you have, oh yeah, you have Scar. Never seen it. He's never seen The Lion King. Okay, what? so most people have, I know, right? I didn't <laughs> have a childhood, man. I watched Terminator and like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. And Rocky. So 
Mufasa is abundance and Scar is scarcity. In other words, Scar has to like manipulate and lie and use fear and and, and kind of manipulate that situation where Mufasa dies in order to be king. He has to get the hyenas. Spoiler it, it, alert. Yeah. And so <laughs> that that's how a lot of people operate without knowing it, is they're trying to manipulate the circumstances to fit the way they think it should be. And I think that's a really unintelligent way to approach your life because not only will it be super unfulfilling, but you'll also succeed at a much smaller level. So power versus force, right? Mufasa just is king because he is strength. Scar has to manipulate his way to the top. When are you Scar? And we're all both, by the way. We all have a bad wolf and a good wolf. Whichever one you feeds is, feed more is the one that's going to win. And so with Kevin and myself, the drive to five. Find someone out there. First of all, especially right now in the world, everybody thinks they're right, and, it, and it's, it's one perspective on the truth. So I, I remember one time I, I put a marker up, and I said, okay, imagine seeing 360 people's perspective on this marker. Now I can see the truth more clearly. So instead of thinking my way is right, say this is one perspective of this truth. Let me get some other perspectives and try to see the truth from a 360-degree angle. One of my clients is creating this um, thing where if you want to buy shoes online from Amazon, he has a company that, that takes 694 photos of it, and then you can do a 360, you can see underneath the shoe, you can see, and I'm like, that's a great analogy for life. That's what I'm trying to do with life. You and I can go to the same party, and it could have been a blast for me because I didn't see the one fight that broke out in the corner for 20 seconds when you got hit in the face or kicked in the face or elbowed in the face. So you go home thinking that party was horrible, I'm never partying again, you draw all these conclusions, and I can go home saying the best party ever, right, because I wasn't aware of the fight, and you're focusing only on that one negative part of the party. And so here's what I would say. If you're out there right now and you think you're right, you're not. That's one perspective of the truth. Partner up with somebody, collaborate with other people who have a different perspective, who, this is the one caveat, they must have a similar core values and they must have similar goals. Kevin and I both want to be world-class in fitness. We will go to the gym together. When we travel, we're always going to the gym. It would be very hard for us to work together if I'm always leaving to go to the gym and he's sitting there eating pizza in the hotel room, which has happened. Oh, I do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like complementary skill sets, different perspectives, mm. similar goals and core values. Just think of that. Because I'll tell you right Love now, it. I've been in intimate relationships with people who did not have similar goals and did not have similar core values. And I, I think that that made it very challenging to execute toward my dreams while staying in mm. rapport with them. And I think that's, Kevin's good at stuff I'm not. He has strengths mm. I don't. So the whole is greater than the sum of the parts because we're so in alignment. Yeah. Fire. I love it. I'm amazing, guys. Absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm taking so many notes right now in my head. I'm going to write them all down afterwards. This is awesome, guys. Um, all right, last question. You guys can both answer it individually here. Um, so the podcast is called dreamology and I made that word as kind of like, I'm here to be a student. I'm here to study. And I want to study what the modern day American dream looks like what the Gen Z American dream. And I looked up on Google just for fun, what the definition of the American dream originally was. And I'm just going to read it to you. The American dream is the belief that anyone, regardless of where they were born or what class they were born into can attain their own version of success. And so my closing question for each of you is, what is your own version of success? Fire. You want to hammer it? You can go first. Bro. No, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Put the pressure on. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. 
what is my own? So first of all, fire question. Because here's the thing, right? I think there's three master skills to life. Honestly, health, wealth, and love. We major in minor things, we chase the extremities, and, and it's at the expense of the things that matter most. For example, you can chase this job opportunity over here, but if your intimate relationship is suffering or on the fritz, you need to go have a tough conversation with your partner and fix that first, okay? If, if I'm bleeding from my leg, you gotta check my vital signs first before you fix the leg, because I might, while you're fixing the leg, there might be something else happening. So. To answer your original question, there's three master skills to life. Number one is mastery. I love mastery. That's what Kevin mentioned about why I don't need credit. Like, I want to be really, really good at my craft. So podcasting. I, every single one I review, and I try to get better every single time, and hopefully that's shining through. Number two, impact. So number one is mastery and growth. Number two is impact. Use your mastery and your skill set to impact other people's lives in a positive way. So, for example, I help you grow and scale your business online, okay? I'm doing this podcast to help impact your listeners' lives, okay? Number three, and this is the one that I need to get much better at, and this is profitability. In other words, how much money do you make? How do you actually make your money, and do you love how you make your money? And then most importantly, what do you do with it? So again, my version of success is health, wealth, and love. Health, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Wealth, how do I make my money? How much do I make? Where do I spend it and invest it? More importantly, invest it. And then number three, love. Friends, family, intimate relationship, colleagues, clients, mentors, mentees. That's what success means to me. World class in those areas. Everything else can is for the birds. <laughs> I, love, I love it, man. Mine's going to be way, way different than that, of course. Um, for me, one of the things that drives me the most is just to be a... I want to be the most extraordinary man in the world, but I also want to be the most down-to-earth dude. Like, I want you mm. to see me at a restaurant and me just be like, come up behind you and do bunny ears and take a picture. Something like, I just <laughs> want to be a regular dude who you can, like, talk to in a restaurant. That's one of my main goals. So for me, like, my success to me is what we're doing now exponentially. On episode seven of our show, I said I wanted... A studio. I wanted to podcast when I wanted with who I wanted. I wanted to wake up when I wanted. I want to go to the gym when I want. Like, that's my life now. I get to do that. I wake up at four because I want to. I wake up at six because I want to. Like, that, that, I am living my version of success. I just want it exponential where I'm able to impact more people. Like, stadium tour, like, stadium speeches. Um, you know, hundreds mm -hmm. of thousands of online training programs sold. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, this exponential. That is success to me. I'm in an amazing relationship with an amazing young woman. I'm in the gym. You know, I'm learning. I'm learning about myself. Like, it's just continuing and growing. Continue to grow, continue to contribute, and just become the best version of me. Like, that is success, and I don't think I'll ever get that because I always want to be growing, mm -hmm. right? Success, it's a sliding scale. Success is like... You're on the treadmill and it's it's that Kit Kat right in front of you. Like it's is it, it's great to take a bite out of it, but if it's not there, then what are you doing? Mm. Like what are you doing it for? Mm. I have one more no. thing I'll say. No. If that's I said cool. the last. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> this will be the last could, last this'll thing be fun I say. To, who wants to get the last word? <laughs> right. Be a fun exactly. Thing to watch. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think this is exactly what Kevin mentioned, and and this is what we'll end with, or I'll end with. My girlfriend's little sister asked me a question recently that was really interesting. Uh, I was in the kitchen and she said, if you won a million, uh, $30 million, you won the lottery, $30 million, what would you do with it, with the money? And I thought about it for a second. I was setting up the meal 
And I was like, honestly, I would do everything I'm already doing, but I would invest that money into doing it better and more effectively and impacting more people with it and becoming more profitable and growing at a, at a faster rate, accelerating faster. And I would start my philanthropic efforts sooner. And she said, that is the best answer I've ever heard. Most people go to the cars and the jet skis. and all. I honestly think all that stuff is nonsense. You can want it, and that's great, but it's not going to fulfill you. Mm. You know, people want nice cars. They don't want financial mastery. You can't have one without the other. So all I'll say is if you wouldn't answer that question the same way that I did, just question why. Because mm. like Kevin said, more of this. We want more of this. We don't want to go vacation. Why? Because we love our life. If you have to go take a vacation in order to really enjoy yourself, maybe your life isn't as well designed as it could be. Wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that just a high energy, emotional, authentic conversation with two dudes who have clearly put a lot of passion and energy and time into helping others be the best people that they can possibly be. So there was so much good stuff in this interview. And, and always, I really want you to remember things. And if you take out your notes and you write down the biggest takeaway that you have from this conversation, you're more likely to remember it and put it into your own life. The call to action that I have for you based off this idea around the American dream and defining success for yourself is to write down how you would define success for yourself. And if you don't know it yet, make a rough draft and look at it every day and allow yourself to noodle on it and to think about it. Because like I said, the American dream is this package that has been sold to us as like, here's what it looks like. This is it. When in reality is the true definition of it said, define success for yourself. And so I want you to go do that. I want, to t I want you to take some notes on your biggest takeaways from the episode, and I want you to try to define for yourself what is your definition of success. If you want to check out Kevin's and Alan's work, I will post a link in the show notes to their website so you can check out all the amazing things that they have done. With all that being said, my beautiful people, go out there, make your dreams a reality, and I will see you next time. <laughs>